You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. MLB offseason rolling on. GM meetings taking place right now down in Arizona. Blue Jays, they're uh, they're going to be busy for sure. Uh, and we uh, go down the Atlas Beats and Sports Star guest hotline. We were joined by Ben Schulman. Uh, you can hear him on the Sportsnet Radio Network doing uh, Blue Jays pre and uh, post hosting. Does some play-by-play. Also does the Raptors 905 play-by-play. Ben, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Ben, okay, let's get to it. Uh, I, I, we'll, it's, it'll eventually be a day where Jays fans will get over the Dalton Vars show, Gabby Moreno trade, but seeing where he was, what he did to this past postseason, and that he's going to be a cornerstone for the D-backs for the next decade plus probably, when will that day be, you think, for Jays fans to finally get over the Gabby Moreno trade, if ever? I mean, honestly, I... I... I think it could happen any time now. What, what if Dalton Varsho hits 30 home That's runs fair. this year? Like, I, I really I understand the reaction to the trade. I'm not going to sit here and say I think the Blue Jays have won this trade so far. But I am still firmly in the camp that this trade is not decided yet. There are plenty of guys, frankly, and I'm not wishing this on Gabby Moreno, who have awesome first years mm-hmm. and awesome postseason runs, and nothing ever happens. I mean, the 2020 AL Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, was on the D-backs opening day roster, the Gabby Moreno team. No one was paying attention to Kyle Lewis, and he was rookie of the year just a couple of years ago. So uh, I do think that I'm, I'm still holding out a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is some hope. Um, firmly, year one of this trade went to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, what if the Blue Jays signed Lourdes Gurriel Jr. this offseason? <laughs> then I think it changes how people look at the trade, too. So I, I still think a lot of things could happen, and, and definitely they need – more production, you know, offensively from Varsho next season if people are going to get to a spot where they could feel better about the trade. But I, I still think it's possible uh, in these next couple of seasons, even if year one went went pretty, pretty steeply in favor of Arizona. Okay, well, enough on the Moreno. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out where that is next year and where we're at. But, <laughs> with, with, we'll start with the Jays here, with the, with the coaching changes that they made, hitting strategist Dave Hudgens. He's been sent down to Florida Complex League. Dave, uh, or sorry, Don Mattingly's now, uh, he's got a more of expanded role, I guess like an offensive coordinator type thing, uh, but he's also able to interview for other jobs uh, if something comes up. And Carlos Feebles uh, comes over from, Bo- from the Bo Sox organization to be the new third base coach. What do we make of these changes, and, and do you have any idea what this role is for Don Mattingly? No, not really, not any more than, than what has been said publicly. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I was under the impression that last season Mattingly had a pretty big role in what was going on offensively or at least had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe, you know, I, when I hear offensive coordinator, like, it, you know, sounds like he is going to be in charge, uh, essentially, of what's going on. I don't know that for a fact, but... Uh, I do think that this title probably gives him a, a bit more agency. And, you know, I think that when he was brought over, people wanted him to have a big role in the team. And I think he, he did have a big role in the team last year. But uh, I, I don't think that many people have an issue expanding that role. He's obviously a guy uh, who knows a lot about hitting and uh, has also been, you know, a, a successful uh, manager and, and staff member in terms of having good offensive teams as well. So uh, if, if it ends up having him, 
you know, dictate a little bit more of what's going on. I, I don't think that's uh, the worst thing at all. And to be honest, I wasn't like a hundred percent sure that they were going to, you know, make major, major changes in their yeah. uh, hitting coaches. Like a lot of people had asked for them to, because they were a lot of the same coaches that were there a couple of years ago when they were a really good offense. So I think this is a way to mix things up without uh, completely getting rid of some people, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. Now, it should now in John Schneider's case, obviously he he had the he had the opportunity to work alongside Mattingly. He grew up in Jersey. He was just, Mattingly was his favorite player growing up. Now, is is with this role with Mattingly, should should John Schneider maybe be uh, a little like you know, relieved that hey, this is the, that he's going to be taking on a little bit more of a, an offensive role here that I can put my issues to other places around this team, or is like hey he's creeping more up to like, if something goes wrong, if we get off to a bad start, I'm out Mattingly's in. Uh, I don't really think he, he probably thinks too much about like, will they replace me with Don Mattingly or stuff like that? Like, I think he was, like you said, he's his favorite player. And I think he was pretty like enthusiastic on bringing him in uh, to the organization in general. So I think if, if that fear was there, like he Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have been as enthusiastic in general to, to have him be a part of it. But I, I do think that it's helpful in general just to, you know, have people know a little bit more of, of what Mattingly is doing. I think that there was like some ambiguity on just the specifics to the media. Obviously they knew what they were doing, but they didn't publicly talk exactly about what was going on and, and what he was doing on a week to week or month to month basis. Other than like we saw him working with Flatty at first base sometimes. So I think that it helps uh, provide some clarity. I, I'm, I think that, you know, if if nothing else, I think now if, if things continue to go wrong, probably attention would be not pointed as much at Snyder and would be pointed more at the people who have now been named, uh, you know, more in charge of the hitting. But I, I think that Snyder's still going to have a big role in what's going on with their game plan. I think he did last year when Guillermo Martinez was in charge of it. And I, and I think he, he still will this year because at the end of the day, even if Mattingly's in charge of offense, Schneider's in charge of everyone, yeah. and so he always has to have you know at least a couple hands, I think, in in everything. Uh, to to the now to the to the meat and potatoes, the roster of this team, the, to the players that are going to have to eventually uh, take to the field at Rogers Center in in the uh, in the new year. But Matt Chapman, he's got a number of teams interested in him. Uh, the Jays obviously extended the qualifying offer as is was uh, expected, but. Uh, d- it just sounds like the Jays are probably going to be needing a new third baseman here, be it uh, Heimer Candelario, or uh, maybe it's Santiago Espinal, maybe it's a trade. But do you think that the Matt Chapman days are, are gone, that he's going to go out and get his uh, $100 million and, and see you? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you never know. Like, anything is technically possible, but uh, there's such a market for him right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I don't think the Blue Jays are necessarily going to match what some of the really, really high bids are going to be. And and don't get me wrong, Matt Chapman is a really, really great defensive third baseman. And I think that he is a very talented offensive player, but because there was the lack of consistency, as everyone saw, I I don't think that the Blue Jays are going to do a long-term deal at like $25 a year or something Mm -hmm. like that. So I think that they get the, the compensatory draft pick off of him not uh, signing the qualifying offer most likely, and they'll take that. And and they have, you know, a, an interesting path to try and figure out this third base spot. Like you mentioned, I mean, Jamer Candelario is essentially what I would say is the top three agent that you're going to find that can play third base. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Espinal, they have Biggio, who have played third base at a major league level. They have Martinez, they have Barger, who have played at a minor league level. They did put David Schneider over there for a little bit last year as well, if you want to count him. 
Um, but I, I like all of those options. There's not a ton of guarantees. So I, I think that they, you know, they could go after Candelario. He's probably, you know, the guy with the most experience out of all those options mm-hmm. that's starting at third base. But I, I wouldn't be shocked too if they were looking to trade off the major league roster at some point here. I mean, this free agent class has a ton of pitching and not a lot of position players. And so uh, that's why Chapman is going to dictate, you know, a, a lot of money. And I think that the Blue Jays might, you know, look to trade for a position player to try and fill that role if possible and maybe go out and sign a pitcher. Maybe you can trade for a position of strength like pitching, mm-hmm. get the bat that you need, and then sign someone to replace it. Should any of Scott Boris's clients be, uh, obviously Cody Bellinger being the, the main one, and that just logically makes the most sense for the Blue Jays, but uh feels like they, we, could the Cubs bring him back? Like, th- th- does Cody Bellinger, out of all the free agents, out of anything, just make the most sense for this Blue Jays team? For sure. I, 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 my, my hesitation is that, again, like Chapman, I'm not sure that they'll outbid the other teams yeah. going after him yeah. because, like, because he's, uh, you know, after Otani, it's Bellinger, I think, is the next yep. like, bat. And then it's probably Chapman, frankly. <laughs> like, it's not really... <laughs> Uh, the deepest class that you're going to find out there. So I do think Bellinger makes the most sense. I mean, the Blue Jays, you know, at least for now, have a hole in the outfield, uh, whether they want to sign someone to play in center or left field, depends on where they want to play Dalton Varsha next year. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it would be awesome for the Blue Jays. If they could grab Cody Bellinger. If, if I'm them, I would go throw everything you can at it. But there is a chance that the Cubs or, you know, the Cubs just brought in Craig Council. So I'd imagine yeah. that they're getting pretty serious right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think the Yankees want to be close to 500 two years in a row. Yeah. And so I think that there are a lot of competitors, but you, you never know. I mean, the, you know, the Blue Jays did reel in uh, George Springer. I don't think a lot of people would have predicted that they've brought in big free agents. And you mentioned Boris clients, like the, the good news at least is, you know, they have had a good relationship actually over yeah, the last little bit have. with Boris clients. I mean, Matt Chapman, you know, it was a trade, but I, I'm sure there was some collaboration Ryu. and stuff like that. And then Ryu, yeah, and Kikuchi, I believe, as well. So um, I, I think that overall uh, they've had a pretty good relationship. And if that's what's going to be a determining factor, that's actually been a, a pretty big positive. And what mm-hmm. used to be a huge negative, they yeah. used to never deal with it. But now now I think that relationship has really turned around. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the center fielder uh, position. It's going to change, like Kevin Kiermaier likely on his way out. Michael A. Taylor, it was a name that was rumored a bit that the Jays might be interested in. You know, this is a guy who's he's also a gold glover uh, in center field. And uh, maybe not no, maybe not a ton of pop with the bat, but definitely a, a very good defensive mind. What, do you, what would you make of, of Michael A. Taylor? Uh, patrol in the center field for the Blue Jays this year. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Uh, you know, I think Michael A. Taylor, you know, definitely showed a lot of his value this season playing against the Blue Jays, not only in the postseason, <laughs> but I believe he had a home run at Rogers Center at well, as well this year. And, you know, he's not he's not a huge number, but I will say he did hit 21 home runs this year, which is like not too shabby mm-hmm. and more than the majority of Toronto Blue Jays, frankly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he is coming off like a, a solid season. It might be a better season than average for him, but you could probably get him for pretty cheap. So I don't hate that idea where you bring in him on a, you know, a similar one or two year deal. Uh, you know, I do think that they want some left-handed bats, but that doesn't mean they have to address it yeah. at that outfield spot. They could easily have a left-handed hitting second baseman or third baseman or whatever it is. So 
Um, I, I think that that is an interesting idea. And, you know, he's coming off a, a two-year $9 million deal. Even if you give him a slight raise from that, it's still very, mm. very manageable. And the Blue Jays have a lot of money coming off the books between, uh, you know, Ryu and Chapman and, and Merrifield and everyone else. So, yeah, that, that is a pretty interesting guy if they were going uh, to look at it. A, a former Scott Boris client, yeah. but not a current yeah. one. Um, Joey Votto, obviously he's a free agent. Uh, he still wants to play. The Reds didn't bring him back and everybody's pointing the dots. Oh, go home, go home. Should this be a thing that the Jays make? Like, yeah, we could, we can have Joey Votto, but obviously he's not an everyday guy. He's a DH. Uh, but you know, just having him around this team could, could that do so much wonders just having a, a Joey Votto type presence in this locker room? I mean, the presence, I think, absolutely is helpful. I, I would never I, – I, I can't deny that. I mean, not only – in my opinion, this guy is, like, should easily be a Hall of Famer. If there's any debate in my mind, it's just because, like, people don't respect walking and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> I, I think that he, he's easily a Hall of Famer. He's an incredible player. He's an MVP. Uh, and, you know, he, he, the, it would be clear from day one the respect that he, like, commanded in the city would probably be beyond – anything that even any blue jay would command right now even the even the most favorite blue jays just because uh you know you could argue that joey Votto is is the best canadian position yep. player that that we've had so uh i do think that it'd be huge i i don't know how i feel about bringing him in just on the whole like in the clubhouse 100 percent huge impact I, it, bringing him in to fill brandon belt's role in some ways, I think it makes sense, and in some ways, it makes me nervous because Belt was coming off a major injury, mm-hmm. and, and he managed to put up one of the bigger seasons of his career with just, like, some new scenery and a team that was contending a little bit more than the, the organization he was on and facing some pitching that hadn't seen him that much because he was switching leagues. Um, but Joey Votto has been very injured over the last two seasons. He did come back this year, obviously, and play 65 games, and he didn't hit for much of an average but had a lot of power and did help the Reds, I, I thought. Uh, as they, you know, nearly made a run, uh, you know, this season with a really young team. But I don't know. I don't know if you can get him in the lineup all that often if he's not hitting to the level that Belt hit last year because mm-hmm. he only plays first base like Belt. So I, I'm not totally against it, but I'm a little nervous with his age and his recent injury history. Like he's even a couple of years older than Brandon Belt is. Yeah. That uh, do you, you know, are you putting the best team out there? If you use a roster spot on Joey Votto, I don't know right now. So that's that's for them to decide. And I mean, I, I'll be honest: if they sign him, I'm going to be ecstatic either way. As someone who watched Joey Votto when I was a kid growing up mm-hmm. and and idolized him a lot, it would be awesome. Uh, and and I would probably support it either way. But I'm I'm still a little bit torn whether it's the best baseball move. Then maybe should they the Jays prioritize bringing back Brandon Belt because it's more like uh, you know what you're going to get with Brandon Belt. You saw him come on late there when he once he got healthy. Would that make more sense to fill that that DH role? I think they would want him back yeah. if he wants to come back, but I, I, I just don't know if he wants to retire fair. or not. That's Those fair. Are the rumors that floated around. Yeah. I, I think that they're interested, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that he'll be back, but that, that'll be something to track because that is a big deal. If they can bring him back I thought he did more than enough yes. last year to earn a spot on the team again. Uh, Vlad Jr. set for another round of arbitration. Uh, is there any chance we maybe see an extension this offseason, or is it still like a, a wait and see with him? Uh, he's obviously set to become a UFA in 2026. I, I still think it's, uh, it's a wait and see, just okay. because I don't think there's any way that he and the Jays could agree on a number. I mm-hmm. think that 
that the best and the worst have been too far apart that negotiating right now on a deal that would be like, you know, the next seven or eight years of his career. Like, yeah. I think it's just hard to project that um, and and for, to have those two sides be comparable because, you know, Vladdy's camp is going to project, obviously, that things are going to go well, like every player's camp does, and mm-hmm. the Jays are not going to necessarily, you know, project that he's not going to do well, but they might, <laughs> you know, project closer to some of the, the down years because that's what teams do to try to get the contract they want. So I, I think that, unfortunately, because I think that, you know, the organization and Vlad, I think have had a lot of motivation over the years to be together, uh, like in a, you know, a long-term contract, but the numbers have been so weird from year to year that I think it's, it's really, really hard to make something make sense right now. Should the Jays maybe consider moving of Vlad Jr. If something, if it, or are they still like, this is a good player. We, a really good player that we want to see continue to succeed here in Toronto or is it just like, hey, we don't know what we're going to get. He's still a young player, and teams around the league are going to value that. They'll look at his age, and Jays could probably get a ton for him. Is there any sense in your mind that there could be a trade in the next year or so involving Vlad Jr.? I'd be surprised, okay. to be honest. Um, I, you know, I, I think that they, as long, you know, because they have Bo and Vlad on the same timeline right now, mm-hmm. and I think they feel that, you know, with at least the talent, it has the production hasn't always been there consistently uh, at different times in both guys' careers. But at, at least the talent that it, it's hard to find that much talent in, in a trade coming back. Like a lot of you know, if you trade Vlad, you get three or four guys back. You're usually you know giving away a loony and you're getting you know a quarter and then yeah. you know two dimes yeah. and a nickel and it looks pretty good, but it's not exactly. Uh, you know, none of those guys are going to end up having the chance to be, you know, mm-hmm. an MVP finalist or something like that. So I, I, it's not impossible, you know, if if there's a chance that you know a team like the Padres, who has a bu- who have a bunch of really talented players, uh, you know, that don't seem to be gelling together all the time, maybe there's a young talented guy close to the end of his contract that lines up uh, with a young talented guy that the Jays have that's close to the end of his contract too, but. Uh, you know, pretty much barring like Juan Soto. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how many guys that they can get right now. Like that teams would give up because, you know, a lot, you know, like Julio Rodriguez, they've signed these guys. They're not going to exactly. give them up really anymore. They want them. So uh, barring Soto, I'd be surprised. And you mentioned Soto. Yankees seem to be the uh, the main destination there that they're going to be uh, in all over him. And obviously they've got the, the prospects and, and whatnot to do that. Now, the AL East likely to just get even more powerful. The Rays are still going to be the Rays. The Orioles have more top prospects. They have the top prospect in baseball and Jackson Holiday coming. Uh, the Red Sox are not going to be down forever. How big of a year, how big is 2024 for Ross Atkins and maybe even Mark Shapiro? Uh, it feels like we've gone from, hey, this window is pretty wide open to maybe the cracks open a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting pretty close here when you talk about, you know, Vlad and Bo both being two years out with without an extension feeling that imminent, uh, a long-term extension for either. Obviously, Bo signed that contract last year, but that was, you know, it didn't actually add any years. It kind of yeah. locked in money for the arbitration years that were already happening anyway, uh, which actually turned out to be a pretty great deal for mm-hmm, the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I think Bo had a, a really good year and would have commanded a lot. I think in arbitration. So from that perspective, the blue Jays got that done. But I, I think these next two years, unless you see an extension coming for one of Bo or Vlad, at least to keep them here and continue to build around them, it, it's definitely shrinking. They will have talent 
on the payroll still after those guys are gone. They have a lot of pitching on long-term contracts. George Springer's contract outlasts that as well. But it it, it is definitely getting a, a little bit close to what the end of this perceived window is. You, you never totally know. The Nats didn't think they'd win the World Series yeah. the year after Bryce Harper. But, you know, I, that's a fluke, I think, in a lot of case <laughs> scenarios other than having Juan Soto, like the greatest 20-year-old of all time. So, uh, I think that it's it's getting tight, and if you look at the last year, like it might be hard for them to commit to guys in free agency to longer term contracts and make some trades when they're going into you know the final year of Bo and Vlad with all that uncertainty. So this year, where there's still you know this and next season, this might be the best time for them to make some big splashes. Yeah. You know, you could bring in a guy on a on a two three year deal and have it make a lot more sense. Um, what's your read on Shohei? Uh... I'll give you my team where I think I think he might go. I don't like like uh, my pick, but I don't think he's a, a, a ultimately going to sign there. But what's your read on Shohei? Obviously, uh, not going to pitch uh, this upcoming season. Still going to be his his DH role. But uh, where do you, where do you think Shohei is going to go? Is it just uh, you know up the road to Dodger Stadium? Uh, that's where I lean. Uh, you know, I, I have to imagine too that you know the the treatment that he gets in and around the Los Angeles area, yeah. like it's easier probably if he stays in that area. I'm sure. You know, he'll his contract will more than pay for for people to move around if he needs to do that. But uh, given that it's a it's a really good team with really good players right near him, uh, he wouldn't have to play. You know, I don't think he actually has like animosity against the Angels, and no. he wouldn't have to play in their division like playing for Seattle would make him do or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. Um, so that's where I lean. I, I do think that there are a lot of possibilities. I, I think most of them for me fall on the West Coast. But uh, if, if I had to guess, uh, no insider information, I, I go with the Dodgers. I I have a I had a like thought like what about Texas? You know, it's interesting. Stays in the division. It's a it's a good mix of youth and veteran. Their owner will spend more forever the heck he needs, and you know I think that'll be a team that will will welcome him pitching in twenty twenty five. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a team that you know doesn't really need him to pitch next year yeah. if they can get some of their guys healthy. Uh, from this past season that that weren't healthy, you know, like a Jacob DeGrom, which who knows about that, but mm-hmm. but some of the other guys as well. And uh, this is the same organization that, you know, outbid the Blue Jays actually for you Darvish in yep. like 2012 or 13 yep. uh, back then. And, and so I, I think that they, you know, they have some experience in that in, you know, scouting and going after Japanese players. I believe that they were involved in the initial bidding for Otani, although they didn't, uh, you know, come close to beating what the angels did. Um, but I, I could see it, uh, you know, if they want to, you know, make this not just a one hit wonder, but yeah. really want to add to this thing. you like you said, they're willing to spend. So uh, I would not be shocked. And at least that is somewhat West. Uh, exactly. for a guy like uh, Otani. It's not completely on the East Coast, <laughs> so maybe that, that helps persuade him. Um, and uh, what's your read on this, uh, the, the Craig Council news? You know, leaving Milwaukee, just kind of, you know, kind of moved like the, the Baltimore Colts to Indianapolis in the middle of the night, kind of surprised a lot of people. Now the highest paid manager in baseball, $8 million. Yeah. Obviously, getting the bag for the managers, that was that's, that's huge for them, but obviously that's a Milwaukee-Chicago rivalry that's uh, just added more fuel to that fire. Oh yeah. I will say I love it for that. As oh, like yeah. a person who obviously has like no stake in that rivalry, just to see that get fired up more. Uh, I think it is great. And Craig council is an awesome manager. I definitely think, you know, the dollars and cents can't be ignored. That's a huge part. I'm sure of what happened there. Uh, you know, the fact that 
not only is he helping out the market for all the other man- managers, but he, you know, it's a, it's a very comfortable uh, amount of money that he is about to make it. And he is one of the best managers, if not mm-hmm. the highest regarded one in baseball. So he's definitely earned it, but he, he talked about going after a new challenge, which I think people say a lot, but in, in his specific case scenario, the brewers, I think are not necessarily the team that, uh, you know, he was going to, end up fulfilling a world series goal with because the mm-hmm. last couple of times that they had gotten to deadlines with really good teams, it felt like they either didn't add yep. or sold. Like he was just not uh, necessarily being given the tools to go and fight with these Dodgers and Braves and Phillies and other teams that were adding at the deadline while Milwaukee was kind of either, you know, half adding, half subtracting or staying put. They, they just hadn't really made many big splashes overall, to be honest. So I, I totally understand from his perspective where he says, well, the Cubs are doing the opposite. You know, they go out and get Dansby Swanson, even when they didn't have that much of, of a team together yet, or say yeah. a Suzuki, like they were willing to add yeah. talent at a time where they knew they weren't going to be that good. Even if it is a big payroll on a, on a team, that's not great because they're building towards something bigger. So I, I just think the possibility to win a world series probably looks a lot better for him uh, in Chicago right now than it did in Milwaukee with the Cubs adding all the time and the Brewers, uh, you know, kind of subtracting more yeah. of the time. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. One reason I'm leaving is like, Hey, you're giving me the, you're giving me guys to play with. I want to go win with them. Yeah. Uh, you're also mentioned off the top. You also do Raptors 905 play by play. That's the Raptors G league affiliate three days away from the home opener. Uh, how are the group looking? They are looking really exciting. I, I think it's going to be a a super fun season of basketball in Mississauga. Uh, you know, a, a lot of new faces coming in as there is in every G League season, uh, including Justice Winslow, uh, you know, who was a national champion with Duke in 2015 yeah. with their freshman and uh, played on, you know, heat teams with uh, with LeBron and Wade and then, uh, you know, a little bit later as he took over some of the scoring. So he's joining the team this year. I, I dealt with some injuries uh, the past couple seasons, and I think it's just a matter of him, you know, playing a little bit and, and he'll probably be back in the NBA soon. But for the time that we get him, it should be a lot of fun. Um, they returned Ron Harper Jr., uh, who was one of the two-way mm-hmm. players who people might have seen with the Raptors a little bit last year. And, uh, of course, is the son of Ron Harper, uh, you know, the multiple-time yep. All-Star and NBA champion. So, that uh, that's a lot of fun, and then maybe maybe the best of all is they have five foot eight point guard Marquise Noel on the team, uh, who is a, a bit of like uh, you know Fred VanVleet on steroids. Okay. Honestly, he's, he's a bit quicker, I would say, uh, and and a bit flashier. But uh, you don't see a lot of five foot eight guys out on the court, but you notice him right away. And and even at practice where I was yesterday, he jumped up and blocked one of the centers <laughs> on the team. So uh, I think that there's, you know, a, a lot going on. And he's a two-way player as well, who people will see with the Raptors. So uh, the, it, it should be a fun year. And I really think, uh, you know, a lot of guys with potential to go and contribute uh, for the big club as well as, you know, they kind of change things up and, and go through a transition year. An undrafted point guard out of a school in Kansas. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. there you go. Maybe, maybe we another <laughs> Fred Van Vliet here in, uh, in Noel there. Uh, ben, you wear many hats. You do them very well. I love our chats. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll do this again very soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon.